This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I'm going to start a series tonight called Red Letters. Let's just look at some of the famous words of Jesus. And we're just going to take some of it. I started looking at this. I'm like, we could spend the rest of the year here. We're not going to. Relax. But we're going to take some of his words and and look at them. I, I was thinking there's so many voices today. And there's so much input. And there's so much, um, man, there's so, we're inundated with input now. It's coming at us all the time. So I just want to go a little farther upstream. I'm going to go way back upstream. I want to look at Jesus' words. Red letters are, many of you, if you have a, an old-fashioned Bible that's not digital, like this, this is a non-digital Bible. It has, uh, it has uh, often, you'll have some that have all the letters of Jesus in red. And so we're going to talk about some of the very famous words that he has said. And uh, how many of you know, if we're looking at his words, that's the purest source, that's the truest source. These are words we can trust. And this is someone that we can trust. So let's pray. And then we're going to look at some red letters. Heavenly Father, we're grateful tonight that we have the privilege of coming, of worshiping you, of honoring you with our giving, and Father, of hearing your word. Thank you that your words are life and strength to us. Thank you that they make a difference in our lives. Thank you that you have turned so many of our lives around, and we're so grateful for that. Tonight, we just ask you for your goodness and grace, ask you for your anointing that makes clear and understandable. And Lord, we're just, we're receivers and we expect to receive something good tonight, something we can take home, something we can use and put in our life that you might be honored and glorified and we might bear fruit. And we give you all the thanks and all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we talk about his words, let's, let's, take, uh, let's take a look first at some of the things that Jesus said about his own words. Jesus talked about his words, and here's three things I want to give you. They're spiritual, they're eternal, and they have the potential to produce freedom in our lives. Spiritual first. It says, it is the Spirit. Jesus is speaking. He said, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Wow, where do we ever get that graphic, guys? Interesting. I'm just, that's just an interesting graphic. The long-haired Jesus. I'm glad he doesn't have a halo. His words are spirit and they're life. So have you ever noticed that you can read a book, and if, if you read your favorite book, you can read it once, you can read it twice. About that third time, you're like, I can't read this anymore. I already know everything's going to happen. I don't want to keep, I don't keep reading. Now, maybe something that's more, uh, more of a, um, uh, like there's, there's a book by uh, Dr. Henry Cloud that I try to read every few years. It's called Integrity. It's a great book, but I can't read it over and over and over again. You ever notice about God's word? You can take it and read a, you can read a chapter and then you can read the very same chapter the next day and still enjoy it. And that you can read it over again. Sometimes I, I can read a chapter over and over and over again. And you say, well, how in the world can you do that? Because there's life in it. He said, my words are spirit and they're life. So when Jesus was talking about his words, he said it's spiritual. If you understand that the Bible is a spiritual book, then a lot more things will make sense to you. And it applies to our spirit. Jesus is referring to this when he was talking about this. He had just done one of his very famous sermons of eat my flesh and drink my blood. That went over really big. And, and a lot of people 
walked away from him. He was talking about the fact that you were going to have to partake of his sacrifice, what he was going to do. He wasn't talking about eating his literal flesh. And so if, if people read that today and they go, well, you know, I read the Bible and, you know, someone talk about Jesus. If, you're, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. There have been crazy people that have actually gouged their eyes out. That is not the intent. That's not what Jesus is talking about. So if you look at it as understanding, it's a spiritual book. And Jesus said, my words are spirit and their life. Now, here's the next thing he says, and this is pretty profound. He said, his words are eternal. Matthew 24, 35. Check this one out. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Heaven and earth. Just take, take a moment and look around you just for a second. You see all this? This is going to disappear one day. It's going to be gone. And the Bible says we're going to get a new heavens and a new earth. But this heaven, everything that you can see around us is going to pass away. But Jesus said, my words will never pass away. For years, people have tried to talk about the demise of the Bible. And people have been, for hundreds of years, people have been saying that the Bible is outdated. The Bible is, is, is going to, one day people will no longer read the Bible. It is still the best-selling volume of any book that's ever written. And it's still the fastest-growing religion Christianity is, especially in the nations of the world, because his words are life and his words will never pass away. And when we get to heaven 10,000 times, 10,000 years from now, we'll still be celebrating those words because it's it's those words that brought spiritual life to all of us. And we'll still be rejoicing and his words won't change. Have you ever, have you ever noticed news reports can't even get their stories straight? They, can't, they, they are all, and, and, and when they mess up, they never come back and tell you. Or if they tell you, it's on page 14 at the bottom. They can't get their story straight. Jesus said, my words don't change. He said, and all this stuff is going to pass away. He said, my words are eternal. And aren't you glad they're eternal? Aren't you glad God never came back and said, oh, gosh, you know what I said about that salvation? Not actually the truth. No, his word is truth. We can depend on it. It never passes away. And we'll be rejoicing about this in the ages to come. It's spiritual. It's eternal. It has the potential to absolutely change your life. Now, this is Jesus again. Now, we say, Alan, what do you mean? The potential, it does change life. Yeah, but let's look at what he said. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide, that means continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, he put a qualifier on that. How many of you have heard, and we've all heard this, how many of you heard, the truth will make you free? Actually, <laughs> And, or people say, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Actually, there's a qualifier. There's something ahead of that. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, he said, if, if you stay with this, he said, you're going to know the truth and the truth is going to make you free. And so the potential is it's not just hearing, but knowing. It's not just hearing about it. You begin to practice it. You begin to put it in place. Listen, at some point in time, I grew up in church. I grew up in a Baptist church. We preached salvation every week. I heard it. Thank God. But I, I, I listened a lot of times. And I, I'd fold my arms. I, I, I'd hear the truth. The truth wasn't making me free. 
It didn't make me free until I bowed my head walking across, walking across a field in Carbondale, Illinois, and bowed my head on June 6, 1978, and said, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Freedom started right there. Did I know truth ahead of time? Yeah, but it wasn't until I believed and acted on that truth that truth came into my life. That's why I said it has the potential to set you free. So the great news is this. The great news is, as you look at Jesus' words, you're going to see some things that are wonderful. And when you begin to find out the truth, if you believe it and act on it, that truth will make you free. Here's a great truth. You don't have to be dominated by fear anymore. That's a great truth. You say, well, my whole family's afraid. We're, just a, we're all kind of scaredy cats. Well, don't have to be that way. You don't have to live that way. Because the Bible said he didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. So when I began to find out truth, also he said, he said, listen, peace I, I, I give you, my peace. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When I find out that truth, that lets me know I don't have to live in fear, dominated by fear and troubled all the time. That's truth. But until I go, I'm acting on that. I'm taking that. I'm resisting the fear in my life. I'm acting on what Jesus said. He said he's given me his peace. I'm hanging on to that. And I refuse to let my heart be troubled and be afraid. When you act on truth is when it produces freedom in our life. Does that make sense? It's truth. And that's why Jesus said, if you'll continue in my words, then you're my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth. I heard someone give an illustration just recently. I thought it was really good. You know, you can read truth and read truth and read truth, but when you begin to practice it and put it, put it into, into practice in your life is when it becomes real. It's like reading the driver's ed manual. You ever read the driver's Do they still do driver's ed? We used to do it in school. We, we used to get out a whole period of school and take driver's ed. Had, had an old guy... <laughs> That old guy who taught that thing, man, because he couldn't teach anything else. <laughs> and and, and his, his, his vehicle still had one of those, uh, he, had a, he had a brake on, on his side. And three of us would get in the car, we'd go drive the whole day. And this old, <laughs> this old guy had a son who played college football. He was a crotchety old guy, but we figured out if we could get him talking about football, he'd kind of forget about everything else, and we'd just do whatever he wanted to do. But... Uh, he, uh, he, man, you get in that car and you can read all you want about driving, but you got to get in the car and start to drive and you, in the manual, you, you forget about all the stuff you, you got to actually experience it. True. <laughs> Would you rather have a, sur a surgeon? This is good. A surgeon who's read about the surgery he's about to perform on you or one who's actually done it a few times. I, I'm, I asked a surgeon one time, I said, why should I use you? He looked offended. It's my body he's cutting on. He said, I've done this thing 800 times. I said, that's good, great. That's all I need to know. I, I'm just asking a question. Why should I use you? If he looked at me and said, because I read the book, because you'll be my first. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I need someone who's been walking in it for a little bit. Okay. So spiritual, eternal, potential to have freedom. Now, let's look at what Jesus also said about his words. His words are vital to building a strong life. 
And when Jesus talked about building a strong life, he used the metaphor of building a house. Luke, the sixth chapter, let's read this. It said, Jesus is speaking, why do you call me Lord, Lord, not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you to whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently, that means really hard, against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So Jesus is talking about, is he talking about building an actual house? No. He's talking about putting his words into practice in our lives. Now, he Everyone thinks, I think sometimes people get the picture that Jesus kind of went around saying really sweet things to people all the time. And that he was, you know, he was just talked in hushed tones. I don't think he did. One thing, I know he couldn't have talked in hushed tones because he spoke to thousands of people and he did not have a microphone. You realize this was before electricity. Come on now, work with me. Before electricity and before megaphones... Or foghorn. So he had to speak. 5,000 people, you got to lift your voice to speak to 5,000 people and have all of them hear you. So Jesus didn't talk quietly. And sometimes he said things are pretty pointed. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, not do what I say? Ooh. Ooh. That's, yeah, I know. That'll, that'll make you get quiet. He said... But what he's talking about is, is actions reveal. Actions reveal. He said, if you're going to call me Lord, do what I say. He said, and then I'm going to show you someone who comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. He said, I'm going to show you what he's like. He's like a wise man. Now, that's what Matthew calls him. Calls him a wise man. He said, so it's action based on Jesus' words. He likened it to digging deep. It's much easier to hear than to do. He said, one guy, he heard, he said, it's like a man building a house. We're building a life. He said, he began to dig deep and lay the foundation. How many have ever dug a hole? How many ever dug a deep hole? Not easy. Digging holes is tough. I dug holes. I dropped out of college and dug holes for a whole semester. After digging holes for a whole semester, I went back to college and graduated on time. Just, I got out quick. I was motivated. Digging is not easy with a shovel. He said, you're digging deep. He said, so it's much, much easier to hear than to do. So basing our actions on what Jesus said is building on something that's solid. Jesus said, if you'll come to me, hear what I say and do it. He said, you're like a man that digs deep and he lays his foundation on the rock. So here's the thing. In life, we need to start looking at what does Jesus say? What does his word say? And then we begin to build on that, our thoughts about God, our thoughts about love, our thoughts about life, our thoughts about relationships. We begin to hear what he says, and we begin to put those into practice in our life, and those make a solid foundation. When you begin to build on that, it can help you. When you understand what he says about forgiveness, it makes it much easier to understand, okay, this, this is what I've got to do. It's not easy to, how many of you know it's not easy to forgive? Somebody's done something to you. Some of you are thinking about them right now. Don't get angry. Just listen to me just for a second. Someone's done something to you. How many know sometimes it's easier just to hang on to that 
to that, and, you, and then you just kind of think in their mind, and you kind of think in their mind about what's going to happen to them, and if you saw them again, this is what you do, and they'd say this, but you say, oh, no, I need to say this. And how many of you have ever had someone do something to you, but you see yourself giving back, getting even? And that just feels good, doesn't it? You're like, yeah. Y'all look, y'all looking really innocent. You look very innocent. <laughs> y'all, y'all look at me like, oh no, Pastor, I've, I've, I don't know who you're talking to, but we, not us. <laughs> We're the Wednesday night crowd. You must be referring to the Sunday morning people because, <laughs> no. How, how many of you know it's it's tougher, tougher, to say, Lord, I forgive them. That's digging deep, isn't it? That's digging deep. But how many of you know if you can, if you can do it and the thoughts come back and you go, no, no. No, Lord, you said forgive. I, I've been forgiven. I'm going to forgive them. And it comes back and you keep, and you keep going. No, I've forgiven. I've forgiven. You know what happens after a while? It stops coming. And, it sto- and then after a while. But how many of you know it's so much better to live with a clear heart than to live with the bitterness of unforgiveness. Jesus knew what he was talking about. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say about building your life on a strong foundation. I want to get to something tonight, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to push through. Jesus knows how to build a strong life and acting and obeying what is written and what he speaks to our heart by the Holy Spirit begins to develop spiritual strength. And it's available to everyone. Jesus said the man who builds his house on a rock and he contrasted it with someone who hears but never does. And he builds his house on the sand. He said, and the storm comes. Same storm hits both houses. But I, I believe that God can enable us to have a life that stands and a relationships that stand and marriages that stand and families that stand if we'll trust him and begin to build our life on what he says. When sickness hit our family a number of years ago, well, actually it was 25 years ago, and the doctors looked at us and said, there's just not a lot we can do. I am so glad that we knew something else. That we knew that Jesus was still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he healed then, he was still the healer now. And when doctors said no, he says yes, and my wife is well. So we were able to build on a rock that did not. And so that, that was a storm shaking our house, and it could have absolutely destroyed it. But we knew what he said. We knew his word. And we had the ability to stand. And difficulty hit our daughter. And she was suicidal and and just absolutely traumatized. Thank God we knew that there was a God who could heal her broken heart and restore her. And so what could have torn up a family, we still stood. Did the storm hit? Yes. Did we go under? No. And that's God's plan for every one of his people. Storms hit in life. God doesn't send them. They're here. They're in this world. But if we'll build on his words, we have the ability to stand. Now, here's some words that we can build on. I wanted to jump into this tonight. Looks like I may have to continue some of it next week. Here's some what I call practical building blocks. Here's some Jesus words that he said. And we don't look at them like, oh, this is trivial. No, this, this is important. Jesus said in Luke 6, 36 through 38, Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Do not judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. 
Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. We put into your bosom or your, into your chest. That's where they actually used to keep their, their, their wallets. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So here's some great, here's some great building blocks. Practice being merciful. To be merciful means leniency and compassion shown toward offenders. It's a disposition to be kind and forgiving. Now, this isn't what Alan said. This is what Jesus said. He said, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. How many of you know, have ever had to come to the Lord and say, mercy, I messed up, mercy. Am I the only one? Not at me if, if you've ever had to ask for mercy. Yes. And is the Lord merciful? Yes, he is. And I, I've, I've told the Lord sometimes, said, you've been far more merciful to me than I've deserved. But only the guilty need mercy. So it's good to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your mercy in my life. And he is merciful. Now he said, we're to show mercy to other people. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many of you know some people right now that could use a big dose of mercy? I, I don't know about you. I, I find this happen occasionally. I, I get, I get kind of irritated sometimes at people. I know. I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to. But I'm, I'm just talking about, well, I, I've, I've actually gotten irritated at my kids sometimes after they've gotten grown and gotten out of the house. And... Um, I was thinking, I was, I was complaining to the Lord about one of my children the other day. And I thought, he doesn't listen. I mean, he could ask me some things and I could help him here, but he doesn't listen. He, he has, and, and then it's just like, it's like, I didn't hear a voice, but the Lord spoke to my heart like, and you listen all the time? <laughs> I'm kind of like, ooh. Ooh, have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed a lot of times the things you get most irritated with other people are things you've done. Mercy. Mercy. And so, and so being, being merciful is having compassion on other people. And I'll tell you something. Guys, we're living in a day where there needs to be some mercy and some compassion. Everybody's angry. Everybody's mad. Everybody's outraged. We ought not to be as angry and mad. We ought to be the ones doling out some mercy towards them and being merciful towards people because we need mercy and our Heavenly Father's merciful. And then here's, here's the kicker. It says, practice not judging and condemning. Oh, this is when it gets good. To judge means to determine what's right and proper. Not condemning means to not pass a sentence. So we're not looking at someone, well, that's not right. You say, well, well, let me just give you an example. of I had couples that sometimes have come up to me in the front when I'm praying, and they said, I need you to pray for our relationship. That's a code word. Usually when couples are married, they say, I need you to pray for my marriage. So I'll ask him, I said, you guys living together? Yes. I said, okay. I said, um, Here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm going to pray that, that really that you would honor God and that you want his blessings, that you get married. Not hard. And people sometimes will bow up. 
You're judging me. I'm not judging you. The scriptures say marriage is honorable. The scriptures said God's the one that put them together. And what God's put together don't matter. How many of you understand? I didn't judge you. The scriptures have already shed light on this situation. So I'm, I'm, now here's where I could, here's where I would judge. I've had people bow up at me. Just like, I had a girl look at me one time. She just, man, I thought she was going to hit me. She's like, I wasn't raised that way. I, I, now, here's why I didn't look, I didn't look back at her and said, you're, you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. You're just a hard-hearted individual that doesn't want anything to do with God. What have I done? I've just judged her. When judging, listen, we can look at scriptures and the scriptures tell us what's right and what's wrong. How many of you know stealing is wrong? Bible's real clear on that. If you came down to me and said, Pastor, did you pray for me? I got this opportunity to steal a lot of money. And if, if I, if I, honestly, I can steal about a, about a half a million dollars and I'm going to tithe it and give it to the church. <laughs> Don't expect me to catch hands with you and go, Father, bless this man in his stealing endeavor. <laughs> because stealing's wrong, right? We know that. So would I be judging him if I look at him and go, Brother, you're not supposed to steal. The Bible said, let him who stole, steal no more. You're not supposed to steal. If he stepped back and goes, you're judging me. No, bro. The scriptures just told you what to do. They're the ones that shine the light on it. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to assume you don't know that. So instead of going, I'll tell you what you are. You better watch it, son, because God sees you. You're about to bust hell wide open. <laughs> no, you might be about to bust jail wide open. <laughs> but how many of you know, I, I, here, here's the deal. We don't know the whole story, and we can't judge people's heart. The scriptures tell, tell us what's right and wrong, but it's wrong for us to go, well, you're just this, and you'll never amount to anything. Now I've just condemned them. And so Jesus said, don't judge. How many of you know when you find the rest of the story sometimes, you're like, oh. I read a story one time about a man who was on a, he was on a uh, subway. It was um, Sunday morning. He was not going to church. He was on a subway. And uh, he's on a subway, he said, and the, and the subway doors opened, and a family got in, a man and his kids got in. He said, he sat down, he's trying to read his paper. He said, these kids were rowdy. He said they were throwing balls and they were thumping his paper and falling over him. And, and just, he said they were just being completely disruptive. And this dad just sat there. Finally, the man looked at, 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 the, at the father and said, Sir, can you do something about these children? And the man shook himself and he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He said, we just came back from the hospital or my kids just find out that their mother is dying of cancer. And the man said when he knew the rest of the story, it made him a lot more merciful. Does that make sense? God's judging is above our pay grade. God is the righteous judge. The rest of us, we got all kinds of things coloring and flow. That's why Jesus said just don't judge. We'll leave that up to the Lord. And we'll let him handle that. 
we show mercy. Now, if someone says, well, you know, Alan, I, well, I'm glad that you're not going to judge me. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to take him up on that stealing thing. No, 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 no. Scriptures are still scriptures. And they still give us the light to walk in. And so you understand what I'm saying. We can give light without judging the hearts of the individuals involved. Does that make sense? People come in, you know, people come in this church, they come from all walks of life, they come in all walks of situation. I've had them come in drunk. I've had them come in high. You know, and the wrong thing for me to do is look at them and go, well, I tell you what, bless God, you come in, come in church, you come in church high. I mean, I smell weed on them, man. They stop me after church. They're like, dude, we enjoy church today. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just looking at them going, good. I'm glad you did. And I'm thinking, I could judge them. I could tell them, don't come to church high. I'm just glad they come. Because if they'll come back, maybe they'll come straight one time and the Holy Spirit can get a hold of them and, and do something with them. You see what I'm saying? Plus, I understand, I'm, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be a judge, and neither is anyone else. And that's why Jesus said, don't judge. Stop, man, stop me. When, years ago, when we were at the, at the um, roller rink, I used to shake hands with everybody. You could not get past me. Remember that? I, I was right there. You, could, man, you were going to shake my hand walking out of that church. And this, he's kind of a big guy, kind of a burly guy. He, 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 grabbed, he grabbed my hand and, and he shook it and, and he burst into tears. And he's a big guy. It wasn't you, Richard. It was, and he, he, he began to weep. I said, man, what's wrong? He, he had been an alcoholic and the Lord had delivered him. And he had been free from alcohol for a while. And, and he began to weep. He said, this past week, I, I, man, he said I drank, I drank a six-pack, and, and he's just, and he's weeping. And I said, praise God, brother. He stepped back. I said, praise God. I said, because before the Lord was in your life, that never bothered you for a moment. I said, the fact your heart's still tender toward the Lord, you still, hey, you can walk. Let's get forgiveness. Let's walk free from that. Hey, guys, listen, we got a world out there that's hurting, and they need somebody who's going to say, there's a better way. Not tell them how bad they are, but tell them there's somebody who can save them, set them free, deliver them, be a blessing in their life, and absolutely turn their life around. That's the thing. That is one of the things I love so much about pastoring this church. This is one of the most non-judgmental churches I've ever been in. Thank you. But if we just do what Jesus said, we will absolutely be a blessing and a lighthouse to this community and to the people in your neighborhood. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and how good you have been to us. Father, for those tonight that, that just need a huge dose of mercy, thank you. It's available. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Show us how to have compassion, to shine the light with, and do it in love. And, Father, we're grateful for that. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed real quickly. If you came tonight and said, Alan, I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord. Or, Alan, I knew him at one time and I got away from him. And would you? I, but I, I don't want to live away from him. I want to come back. 
either one of those situations applies to you, we're going to say a prayer real quickly. If that's you and you would like to be in on this prayer, would you slip, simply slip your hand up and say, Alan, would you pray for me? I want to know the Lord or I want to come back to him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Anybody else? Thank you. Yeah, way in the back. I got you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. You put your hands down. We're going to pray. We're going to pray this out loud. Whole church family is going to join you. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you wanted to. You can pray this prayer with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.